Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today is our part two of our Elephant Man episodes. Yes, the thrilling conclusion. Well, <sighs> thrilling tragic. or tra- <laughs> yeah, tragic, tragic Horrible. conclusion. <laughs> gut-wrenching tear-jerking all those very sad <sighs> everyone's so terrible yeah but in the notes today i do have a little bit more about his real life so because oh. there was some heightening for dramatic purposes in okay the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was hoping so because i was like gosh if this was someone's real life like could you imagine like, well i mean bleeding. i'm not gonna say it was that much different but definitely like some of the stuff of it made it was... a little extra more tragic Ugh. than it really was well, I'm excited to hear it because I don't really know anything about it. <laughs> well, I don't think we need to worry about first impressions since we did that last time. And we'll just right. do final thoughts today. Mm-hmm. But okay, so let's just go ahead and get in the notes. Okay, so during, I guess during the press for The Elephant Man, people would ask David Lynch a lot about the baby from Eraserhead. Uh-huh. And he was a little more, well, I guess, I don't know if he's not forthcoming now, but he was very forthcoming to say that he hates people knowing stuff about how, like, the <laughs> magic is done because uh-huh. it takes away from the magic. So he's like, right. no, I don't think you should know. I don't think there should be books about it. <laughs> <laughs> you won't know anything about it. <laughs> Go in ignorant. <laughs> Okay, well, Mel Brooks also, he didn't put his name on the poster because mm. he was afraid that people were just going to assume it was a comedy if his name was on the poster. I mean, I can see that. It was like his first movie with his new production company. and mm. But he really loved David Lynch. He thought he was a true artist as soon as he met him. <laughs> and he also really liked that he was like, simple and intelligent and not like a young hothead director like i guess so many are (laughs) (laughs) okay and now when they were casting john merrick they were afraid that john hurt wasn't going to want to play it because you know he's going to be covered no one's going to know it's him it's very being an actor is kind of a vain job but Mm -hmm. he i mean so then they like made these big blow-ups of john merrick they like went through all this expense just to have him there (laughs) when uh, when he showed up and he said, you know, he hadn't really heard of him before, but he had maybe seen a picture or something and he had no trepidation. He was like, yeah, that sounds like a great part. Let's do it. And it wasn't until much later that he realized, oh, they were trying to convince him because like, I guess maybe that's the difference between a British actor and American actor or at right. least John Hurt and others. <laughs> he was like, I'll, I'll do it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to convince me. <laughs> So the reason they did the movie in black and white was to, A, you know, give the Victorian illusion, mm-hmm. but also to help cover up any imperfections with the makeup. Oh, that's smart. Because as a photographer, I know that if someone's doing a lot of black and white photos, that there might be a little <laughs> not perfection when it comes to the color. <laughs> <laughs> But at the time, prosthetic makeup was still, like, in its infancy. So, yeah. That's 42 years ago. Yeah. So when they were doing the makeup, they started with the teeth because they wanted John Hurt to be able to to get used to talking with it. And they said that he could really speak quite well with them. But John Merrick, the actual man, could barely be understood because he couldn't really open his jaw very much. And it was very hard to understand. So I think that was a little bit of a compromise because, you know, you got to be able to understand what people are saying in a movie. Right. Yeah. Okay. And at one point, they actually tried to convince John. I might have said this. Well, I don't know. But they tried to convince John Hurt to sleep in the makeup. Because I think they just, you know, it was like such trouble to put it on that, you know, Mm -hmm. they were in they were gonna have to film within a certain amount of time. I don't know. But he really couldn't because he had the same issues as John Merrick and mm. that his head was so heavy that if he tried, it would just like break his neck to lean back. With the, so ultimately, the movie was nominated for eight Academy Awards, but Whoa. it didn't win any. Boo. But the, I believe that it was responsible for the Academy Awards adding an award for makeup. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't cool. think that this year they added it, but I think... 
because of this movie, they were like, we really should do that. Hmm. They should give an honorary Academy Award. (laughs) I know. (laughs) There was a whole bit about the Academy Awards, but I just couldn't find it in myself to really care that much. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can can relate. (laughs) So, okay, so some facts about the actual John. Actually, his name wasn't John. It was Joseph. (laughs) It's been everything in my power not to call him (laughs) Joseph the whole time. But I'm not sure if it was the Gilgood character or the Treves character or Anthony Hopkins character. Mm-hmm. One of them actively changed his name in, like, he like went records. in and crossed out Joseph and put in John, I think, to give oh. him some sort of anonymity. Mm. But or at least that's what the historian was speculating. Mm. Okay. And the way that the movie differs is that a lot of the events are out of order. His mother didn't die until he was seven and she was scared by an elephant when she was pregnant but it's just kind of like an apocryphal tale right the elephant really has nothing to do (laughs) exactly (laughs) obviously right his father was still around he wasn't like a neglected you know negligent parent or whatever but he did remarry his landlady after his mother died and she was not kind to him bitch i know also he met dr treves much earlier in his life and he had a great deal more autonomy in his life than is shown in the movie Mm. he wasn't kidnapped to be put on display but he was treated very harshly and abandoned but it was kind of his livelihood so he did and he actually did like the movie showed people would say you can't have this on display and like the whole thing would get run out of town right he went to belgium got run out of belgium still not great treatment or anything but not like he wasn't like a slave he was exactly or captive or whatever right he wasn't enslaved he was yeah sort of forced into the work but he still was able to live off of it exactly also he had a sister i don't know when she she might have died fairly young but she had a similar disease. Oh, okay. And they've never actually, it wasn't elephantitis, which is what, you know, I guess people thought for a long time. Mm-hmm. But they think that he actually had multiple diseases. Oh, and wow. uh, there's always like a new theory of what it could be. But no one's ever really been able to pin it down, even with DNA extraction. So really, oh. he kind of has like Merrick's disease because it's right. kind of a singular interesting yep and so that's all of the notes that i wrote because i wrote there has to be five hours of special features on this dv and i have to call it (laughs) no No, you gave us a lot of really cool stuff (laughs) you gave us plenty (laughs) (sighs) all right well shall we get into the recap let's do it i was looking i had googled him and I didn't look up what it was, but there was something that said that he may have had Proteus syndrome. Yes, yes. I think that was the most recent one that the people have speculated he had. Yeah. But they've never really been able to, Yeah, you know. It might just be like the perfect storm of certain ailments. Yeah. And it's he could have had multiple different things. Right. It's hard to say. Right. All right, so for part two, uh, we open with shots of industrial London. Lots of coal <laughs> and smoke, David Lynch's favorite. Yep. Um, we see uh, the head nurse instructing the two younger nurses, and she states explicitly to them that no mirrors are allowed to be brought into this room because it's going to be John's room. Mm-hmm. Thank you for finally not being horrible. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, and then I wrote, has he ever seen himself? Because it kind of is like not explicitly stated that he has or hasn't, but I'm just curious because they're so yeah. like, whatever about it. I feel it. like he sees himself in reflections. I would think at so. Least. I mean, doesn't, I mean, even in the movie, it looks kind of like he sees himself in reflections. I felt it was very unclear as to like the whole yeah. mirror part of it all. It was like, I'm not sure about this. Yeah, that thing. was like, I was like, I, he's had to have seen himself at some point, either in like a lake reflection or something. Right. But nevertheless, 
as she leaves, the younger nurses talk about how ugly John is. And it's just before he enters and it's very rude. Um, but then they play faux nice and compliment his new clothes. And he looks and they, nice. In his he does. Suit. <laughs> he looks really good. And you can tell that he feels really good. Yeah. Um, but then they leave his room. And then Frederick shortly enters after them and asks John if he's ready for tea. So it's tea time. <laughs> I feel like John Hurt does a great job of also just the physicality because like mm-hmm. there's a certain way that he walks and I was like, too bad there's no special features on, you know, like his process of, of developing to yeah. Yeah, because I mean you don't really have especially with those prosthetics, you don't have much facial expression. Yeah. But I assume when he went to like I'm sure he saw like the cast and stuff since they were mm-hmm. obviously all part of it. Maybe there was someone who explained to him like how you would walk if you know I don't know. Um, sure. I just was like impressed. <laughs> I'm sure there are experts on the original John. Oh, I'm sure. Joseph Merrick. Okay. So next we see John enter. looks like a, like a living room, like a sitting room. It's very beautifully decorated for tea time. And he introduced, Frederick introduces his wife Anne to John. And beautiful woman. Yes. <laughs> and is very nice. And she introduced herself and goes to shake his hand. And you can kind of see that John is very overwhelmed with his emotions. He starts crying and says that he's not used to be treated so well by beautiful women. I know. I'm so sad, sweet. I'm like, <laughs> if you cry, it's hard enough not to ball through this whole movie. And now you're I crying. It's, I can't stop it. <laughs> I know. Um, Just breaks your heart. <laughs> yes. But in professional manner and offers him a cup of tea and lets Frederick comfort him and kind of bring him back down. <laughs> It's a very sweet scene. Mm-hmm. It is. I love. I love all the scenes with Anne. Yeah. All right. So the next three of them are seated by a fire, enjoying their tea. And John says that he loves the way that they arrange their photos on the mantle. So Frederick hands him some photos to look at, and John seems to kind of open up more. And he even offers to show them a picture of his own mother, which seems kind of like a a very personal thing for him to share, kind of like a next yeah. step in their relationship. Yeah. And comments on how beautiful she was. But John says that he, she must be disappointed in him, but Anne's the best and says that because he is such a loving son that she would never be disappointed in him. Oh. And John wishes he could find her, his mother, to show her how he has such lovely friends. And that brings Anne to tears. This is sweet. <laughs> my tear ducts are flowing again. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those scenes. That was such a touching scene for sure. Mm-hmm. One of the few nice touching scenes. <laughs> yes. I was just like, I know. As soon as we started the second part, I was like, hmm, maybe we'll get some lighter. But <laughs> I know. I was like, all the bad is over. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Next, we see John's cutting and bending paper, and it looks like he's forming buildings. And the young nurse remarks on how great everything looks. Clearly, she's warmed up a lot more to him as. Maybe it's not being so nasty. Yeah, they're friends now, it seems like. Yeah, they're a lot more, like, acquainted with each other. More he personal. He did that in real life, though. He did make models, paper. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. it's of the the cathedral um, mm-hmm. that he can only partially see. But then we also go and see coal. Like, they look like coal etchings of children sleeping. <sighs> and that kind of leads into John saying he wishes he could sleep just like them because he can't lay down. I was like, every line in this movie is breaking my heart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then uh, not to, you know, not to get any better about that. <laughs> he asks Frederick if he can cure him, but Frederick says they can't, but they can care for him. <laughs> uh, and then later, Frederick brings in the actress we saw from much earlier reading the newspaper and we find out her name is uh, Mrs. Kendall. I love her. Yeah, she's great. I was like, I already love you. <laughs> <laughs> she's very excited to meet John and brings him a book and an autographed picture of herself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he places the picture next to his mother's because um, it's a place of honor <sighs> and he uh, starts to explain his model of the cathedral to her. And they start talking about theater and how John should go because it's just pure romance. <laughs> um, and this is when she hands him the book she brought and we find out it's Romeo and Juliet. Um, he cracks it open and starts reading a passage and Mrs. Kendall 
starts reciting the next part from memory and they go back and forth for a while and it feels almost like something's kind of brewing between them it's like <laughs> not stated but a little understated but she at- says that he- oh sorry no go ahead i'm just gonna say he- she says that he's romeo and i was yep. like i can't make it i can't make yes. it this movie. <laughs> <laughs> after they're done she kisses his cheek and says he's no elephant man he is romeo oh and he sheds a tear all right and then the next day the young nurses are reading a newspaper article on mrs Kendall visiting John. And then clearly we see that she's sort of a trendsetter in London because more and more of the upper crust, the wealthy start visiting John and leaving them their portraits too, I guess. Yeah. Which is really, you know, okay. Yeah. I was like, this feels so awkward because I know that like rich Londoners in this time period used to like go on slum tours and go like Mm -hmm. visit the people who were poor and living in slums and i was like i'm not really sure how exploitative this is supposed to feel but then the very next scene addresses it it felt weird especially because the couple that's visiting them in this scene they gift him a really like elegant new walking stick it's really pretty it's like Uh you know nice at the top whatever but they're very you can tell that they're very uncomfortable around him yeah but he seems to be enjoying it like you know people are actually wanting to talk to me and it feels like so important to him so it's very hard to be like i don't know it's yeah (laughs) because you know obviously seeing the way they react it's it's somewhat still exploitative but at least he has some sort of agency in this exploitation he's not (laughs) merely a show he's allowed to like interact with them so right it's a little bit better yeah after that, we see in the hall that Frederick and Mrs. Mothershead, who's the head nurse, I finally got her name. <laughs> <laughs> They're talking and she starts to bring up the visitors John has had. <laughs> and I wrote, she's clearly more aware of what's actually going on. Because uh, she says, They're not here for John. They're just here for a story for their friends. Right. And then I wrote, I feel her. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I just said this. <laughs> yeah. And I wrote, like, you know, it's, the way she puts it is kind of brutal, but she's at least being honest about the situation. She's not kind of yeah. brushing it over. But Frederick then brings up the fact that she wasn't very kind to him at first either. And that really upsets her because she brings up the fact that she bathed him, she fed him and cared for him and instructed right. her nurses to do the same. And she may not have cared for him emotionally, but, but the physical care she provided does go a long way. Yeah. It's hard. It's a very hard to say, you know, because mm-hmm. like none of the people who are coming are like actively trying to hurt him, which is a huge right. change from what we've seen. And it's great for him to be able to talk to people, but like I don't know, it's just a hard call. And I feel like they both mm-hmm. make valid points. Oh yeah. I feel like there's <laughs> not necessarily one side that's inherently right. wrong. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but Frederick apologizes and says that he appreciates the concern. And this is like one of the most annoying parts of the movie to me. But, you know, he is the doctor and he knows best. And I said, just another case of doctors not listening to nurses. And they're right. (laughs) (laughs) But it gets through to him eventually. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, eventually. But before he leaves, she lets him know that he's being stared at all over again, comparing what's happening now to what happened with bites. Yeah. It's. That's the that's the kicker that gets to him. Yeah, definitely. But next we go back to John's room and he's measuring some more paper for his model. But then we see the night guard oh. knock on his window very hard and start pointing at him and saying, ready for a show, blah, blah, blah. He's being taunting, very rude. I hate him. Mm-hmm. But um, shortly after that, John is asleep and the camera closes in on the eye hole of his head cover. And it seems like we're in his it's nightmare. I know. So <laughs> I'm like, it's not even a body part, but it is. <laughs> You're like, yeah. zooming in. <laughs> We're entering like prime David Lynch territory. <laughs> Somehow the elephant dream has gotten even more Lynchian. This time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like a, a nightmare John's having, and we see his mother screaming, superimposed over men working in industrial <laughs> London. They're just moving machinery <laughs> back and forth. There's fire, smoke. And then we see a close up of an elephant's mouth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then we see the night guard and some other men enter with a mirror and hold it up to John. And he sees himself and then he transforms into an elephant. And you can tell he's very scared. I feel like the dreams would be 
a pretty horrible part of being the elephant man, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. You know, just yeah. Oh God, it feels so bad for. <laughs> I know, people can be so horrible. Next scene, we see Anne coming down the stairs. It's late at night. And she finds Frederick, who's sitting by himself in the sitting room. And he tells her that he's been thinking of Mr. Bites lately and that maybe the two of them are not so different. Mm-hmm. Clearly, Mrs. Mothershead's comments are getting to him. Yep. But he says all the other perks he's been receiving since... He talks about all the perks that Frederick has been receiving since helping John questions whether he's a good man or a bad man and i think Anne, sort of without saying it kind of lets him know that it's not so black and white there's I a know, little I'm complexity like, <laughs> you might be misguided but you're not a bad man i mean there right. are plenty of bad men in this movie and you are yeah. <laughs> a great man in comparison yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the next day we see frederick and cargon attending uh, it looks like a board meeting for the hospital that's what i kind of gathered from it oh uh, uh. Another person I just hate it. I know. I was like, kill him. <laughs> I uh, said, this is a bad man. <laughs> yeah, yes. Cargon, <laughs> uh, uh, before they start, kind of brings up John's situation and says that they should settle the matter. And that leads another board member. I, I never got his name and I don't really care. It leads bad him man. to go on <laughs> a very ableist, awful tirade about John and others with his condition or something like his condition and it completely like dehumanizes them and this whole thing calls them creatures yeah it's very rude and i wrote somebody fight him please yeah and he's like we need to make room for the more deserving i'm like ah, him. <laughs> you deserve the guillotine <laughs> and then an angel from heaven walks through the door <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, frederick clearly very angry he's very angry from his comments he goes to argue with him but Cargom holds him back and you can tell he's been checking his watch and something's <laughs> about to happen and just as they're about to take a vote we see a group of people come in and we find out one of them is princess alexandra the princess of wales what <laughs> the one thank god for the women in this movie <laughs> i know <laughs> she takes her seat roughly so at the head of the table and says she has a note from the queen to read to them about John. And she reads this note basically saying how Queen Victoria is very happy that they've been so charitable with John and have given him a home and all the other various charitable things they've done at their hospital. And she concludes a letter by saying that she hopes that, you know, they'll continue to do so basically. And then we see the look on the awful man's face and he is completely gobsmacked he does not expect yep let's put these assholes in their places (laughs) yes and then princess alexandra says that she hopes they can do the christian thing when it comes to john clearly hinting (laughs) that maybe she sort of knew what was kind of going on before she got it seems like maybe she was listening at the door right before she walked in (laughs) cargon then takes a vote on keeping John at the hospital permanently. And after Frederick immediately shoots his hand up, the rest of the, <laughs> I wrote the rest of the crusty Wonder Bread gang slowly <laughs> raise their hands with the crustiest of all raising his hand last. That's right. John gets man. to stay. <laughs> he has a home. Oh, uh, it's the least you can do. Cry, cry again the next scene for sure. <laughs> mm, oh, yeah. Yep. Next, Frederick, Mrs. Mothershead, and Cargom all go to John's room to give him the good news that the hospital is now his new home. Uh, Frederick also gives him a very elegant new dressing case. And John is completely shocked and overwhelmed with emotion, and he thanks his new friends. It's like, ah, the four of them together. I like, I'm like, I can't decide whether I'm crying from sadness or crying from kindness and friendship. I know. <laughs> crying in this whole movie. <laughs> it's all the above. Uh, next, we see John with his new dressing case all laid out. Um, and he starts dabbing cologne on. And he's very happy with his whole setup. And then we flash over to the bar where the night guard is taking money for people to go see John. And we see Bites is there and he chips in to go see John. I don't bad like it. On bad man. <laughs> I know. I was like, <laughs> we don't need more than one. I hate it. <laughs> Ugh, but John don't is ruin back. everything. <laughs> I know. I, I hate these people. John is back in his room. He's feeling very good about himself. He's wrapped up in this He's very so sh- 
like very chic, expensive robe and places a picture of Mrs. Kendall on his like sitting table in the middle of the room. And he holds his new cane and holds a cigar in his other hand. Covered with photos, like Mm -hmm. Dr. Creeps. He's very his his like home, quote unquote, is very full. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm like terrified. I know. Uh, but he's got a cigar in his other hand and he's acting out meeting new people, maybe at the theater. <laughs> but just then, the night guard busts through the door, surprising John, and starts making fun of him. And he holds him up to the window so the crowd of people he gather can see and <sighs> make their gross faces at him. And Horrible people. <laughs> I just hate wrote, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I, wrote, I want everyone here to drop dead. <laughs> I, said, I hate everyone. <laughs> Stop. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Horrible people. Ugh. And then it's just like it goes that, on forever too. <laughs> I know it's just like this certain type of like Victorian, like gross British kind of person. They're all like sort of kissing each other and all like gross, and they have bad teeth, and it's just gross people. And there's like circus music playing. Yeah, and they should all it's be horrible. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but bites butts in and suggests maybe they should go in for a closer look. Clearly up to no good. So they go into his room. And a man forces a woman to kiss John as the night guard holds him down. Ugh, it's terrible. He needs a lock on his door. Yep. I have plenty of things to say about the security (laughs) at this hospital. (laughs) Well, he's the security guard. They only got one for the whole hospital. (laughs) It's it's horrible. But Bites comes in and watches everyone manhandling John and they're pouring liquor all over him. And they all get quiet. And then the night guard holds a mirror up to John and he screams. And they all laugh and torture him. And there's a man that we see in the background. He's in the shadows. He kind of comes out and is watching them. He fades back into the shadows. And then the night guard starts to force everyone out of the room and closes the door behind him. And John's in bed, like gasping because he's obviously overwhelmed. And and he the can't night- breathe on his back. Yeah, right. They pushed him on his back. And the night guard pulls him up and then tosses him a coin. It's so demeaning. It's so horrible. Fuck that man. <laughs> but then, I as really he leaves, strongly. I know. It's <laughs> <laughs> horrible. But as he leaves, then bites enters the room and calls John his treasure, which is so gross. I hate it. I was like, "Are you Gollum?" Because yeah. <laughs> these precious comments are just it's gross. too much. <laughs> That's terrible. But the next morning, we hear some knocking at the door, and we kind of see a pan of John's model. It's been thrown about and destroyed all over the floor. Clearly, no one's entered the door, and Frederick comes in. He sees the mess. He starts looking for John, but he's not there. Um, He's running down the hallway, and the man from the shadows we saw the night before stops Frederick and says that he knows exactly what happened last night. But just then, with his mother's head, enters John's room with a gift, and she sees the mess and is clearly knows something happened. She runs out. <laughs> like, thank you, mother's head. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we see Frederick stomping down the hall angrily. And then we see the night guard pump is like a, I don't know what the word is, but he's like fanning a fire with like that pump, uh-huh. a step on pump. And he's Frederick swings open the door and asks him where John is. The night guard says he doesn't know uh, anything about taking john or he's not anything about a bites but that they were just having fun quote unquote and then i wrote throw him in the furnace I'm i said please stop him <laughs> violence that's the only answer just, just kill him <laughs> but clearly very angry frederick starts t- tossing the night guard around the room and then tells him to leave but then the night guard grabs a fire poker and says that he's not scared of frederick and that he hasn't done anything wrong and then I wrote, so are we killing him now or later? I <laughs> <laughs> need to know. Um, but he says that only Mrs. Mother's head can sack him. And she, he says that just as she's entering the room, and then she just goes ahead and smashes the gift she brought on his head, knocking him out. <laughs> and I wrote, finally, the violence I am looking <laughs> <Yes>. for. <laughs> I wrote in all caps, finally. <laughs> but then she ends the scene by saying, done. And I wrote, she's my number one now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, thank you. He gets it. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, next we see Frederick going back to where he first went and saw John. And we hear water running again. It's the sewers, but John's not there. And we hear Cargom over her overhead saying that John is likely gone pretty much for good. 
and that Frederick can't leave because he has patience and that he's done everything in his power to help John. And this is where I wrote, I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) There was like, I would say there's like no security at this hospital. One person (laughs) for the entire hospital. And also he could have had John live at his house. Well, I was like, no, you have to save him. I don't care about your other stupid patients. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> but, I was like, there's more doctors. They can handle it. Yeah. Thank God this is not the real order of events, you know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's also tragic. It's terrible. <laughs> yes. Uh, next, we hear some, we're at like this, uh, it's almost like another carnival setup. We hear some French being spoken and carnival music playing again. And then we see Bites with his elephant man curtain again. And now he's back to his old tricks, showing John to some French people. And what made me really angry was that we see that Bites has John's cane and clothes on. (sighs) And he's completely parading John like his old show again. And then I wrote, I hope lightning strikes him. Because there was arrest someone, please. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But then they start to make John stand on the stool. But then he collapses off of it and he stays on the floor as French people are very annoyed. He isn't standing. And I was like, now I have to hate the French too. <laughs> I think that's Belgium. Oh, was it? Oh, well, they're close enough. I mean, just based on the real life story, I'm pretty sure. Uh, well, I think there's, there's, a, there's a section, because I think they share a border. There's a section of Belgium, I think, that speaks like a version of French. Yeah, maybe. So maybe that's what I got. I'm not very versed in French, so. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at my notes. It is literally just a lot of exclamation points. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of caps, a lot of exclamation points. (laughs) Uh, Later that night, we see Bites. He's drinking by a fire, and we see two other performers. They're sort of, like, talking about one of them has, like, these little miniature versions of animals, and they're talking about their uh, little trinkets. And then Bite starts drunkenly yelling at John, saying that he's doing this just to spite him. But of course, the little boy assistant who sort of cares for John says that John is just sick. Bites then goes into the caravan and grabs John and walks him to like this little three compartment cage that has like multiple baboons in the other compartments. And the kid assistant, he goes to stick up for John, but Bites kind of pushes him over because he's literally like six years old. He's so little. I know. Uh, but the monkeys start freaking out when he puts John in the cage and they start to calm down. And then we see Bites uh, back in the caravan tossing John's stuff into the sh- like street. Um, and John starts sobbing. Very sad. But luckily, later that night, the little boy oh. assistant... Oh, Just to add some of my exclamation uh-huh. points in here. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Lay them out. Um, I think he, at one point, Bites was like, let him die. And I was like, let him die. Let you die. Yeah. (laughs) And then I said, I'm so bad at all of these people. Seriously, I'm advocating violence. Kid, lock the door and set it on fire. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Release the baboons in his caravan. (laughs) I was so, at this point, like you've already had, finally, he's gotten a home and he's like so happy. And then back to this, it's like the worst. (laughs) It's so just horrible. He doesn't deserve any of this. <laughs> so horrible. Uh, but little boy assistant didn't give up. Later that night, he starts gathering John's stuff up from the floor and sneaks over to John. And we see other carnival workers <sighs> Thank God. say that they've decided to help John get free. And then we see a very tall man unlock the cage and he helps John out as they all escort him away. And the little boy assistant watches them leave and he looks very sad to see John go but I'm sure he's very happy for him to get away from bites I know I said this movie is so much terrible sadness punctuated Mm -hmm. punctuated by heartbreaking kindness yes (laughs) (laughs) it's uh, yeah it's just like I'm not safe at any angle I'm gonna feel horrible (laughs) (laughs) but yeah they escort him through like a forest and he is cloaked again because he'll be sort of traveling through society. And then shortly after that, we kind of open out a steamship and John is boarding it to London. Uh, the carnival workers, specifically the one who had the miniature animals, tells him good luck as he gets in the boat. And <laughs> I wrote, can I personally thank him for bringing John? Can I go back in time? <laughs> can I 
be supplanted into this movie and thank him. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) It's horrible. But on the ship, it's raining horribly, and John sits by himself by a smokestack. We then see... Get home, please. (laughs) I know. I was like, this needs parties to hurry up. Yeah. Uh, This gets worse. (laughs) (laughs) We then see a train uh, moving in the distance along the countryside, and it pulls into a station. And John gets off the train and starts moving through the crowd. And then we see a shitty little kid blowing spitballs at people. And then (laughs) he notices John has, you know, the cover on his face and starts to question him on why his head's so big. And I wrote, mind your business. Yeah. (laughs) And then two other shitty little kids follow them and they start tormenting John. And I wrote, even British children are awful. There's no one. I can't take it anymore. (laughs) But he starts to run away, and as he's running away, he sort of tramples like a little girl who's in his way. And then I wrote, maybe she shouldn't have been in the middle of the walkway. (laughs) This is a PSA for people who have kids who do that. Don't have your kids in the middle of the walkway. It's very annoying. Or don't get mad if they get run over by someone who's being tortured by horrible people. (laughs) (laughs) But the, uh, the mother of the little girl grabs her and yells for someone to stop John. And then a crowd forms around him as he gets to the bottom of the stairs and they yank off his head cover and then they just <sighs> stare quietly. And he starts to run away. The crowd follows. But then he finds out that he's trapped because the exit is gated. And then he I'm turns really so down... cruel in this movie. <laughs> yes. He turns down the hallway and then finds out it's dead end. And the crowd sort of catches up to him and they're around him yelling really loud. But then John lets out a very loud No. And he says that he's not an animal. He's a human being. And he is demanding the respect he's owed. (laughs) This is the point where Cooper, my dog, became very concerned over the amount of crying I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to pause the movie to recover myself for a little while. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can imagine. This was a really heavy scene. It was just like, after everything... He's almost home and people are just will not let this man just be, be himself. <laughs> just, <laughs> just leave him the live. fuck alone. <laughs> it's so ugh, <laughs> relentless. Uh, but he falls to the floor and officers start pushing to the crowd. And then next we see Mrs. Mother's heads coming up the stairs, yelling that they've found John. And we see an, os- an officer escorting him and Frederick sees John and they embrace. It's very sweet. Um, and then when we then see Mrs. Mothershead's helping the young nurse with her hair as both of them are very dressed up. Um, and we find out that Mrs. Kendall lent the young nurse a very fancy dress. And then she asked Mrs. Mothershead if Mrs. Kendall knows that John is dying. And she said, yes, that she knows. And I said, I guess now we know too. <laughs> because <laughs> that's the first I've heard of that. I mean, I guess it was kind of always... I mean, he yeah. came in with chronic bronchitis and he's right. got like, you know, plenty of uh, it is. <laughs> yeah, plenty of ailments. Yeah. But then we see Frederick is helping John get ready and says that he looks splendid <laughs> and that he apologizes for what happened to John. And John says not to worry that he feels loved and has gained himself and he owes it all to Frederick. Cue the tears. I know. He calls him friend so many times. And I'm like, could you please call him your friend, doctor? Please. Yeah. Just say, please. okay, friend. <laughs> My friend. We next see that John is in a box seat with the Princess Alexandra. Amazing. Uh huh. They're at the theater. And they're going she... to see cats. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> she hands him her opera glasses and he starts to have a look around the room. It's his first time in a theater and it's a very ornate theater. So he's got to get the view in. Uh-huh. And as the show starts, <laughs> we see a cat figure come on stage. And I did wonder, I was like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> cats. I was like, it's cats. Wow. <laughs> but as the play, as the story goes on, John is completely mesmerized by it. It's very fantastical. There's like creatures and there's a lot of like staging to make it look like water and it's very pretty. Yeah, I, I might have a theory that it's a like a Wagnerian opera or at least mm-hmm. that style because there was like a type of theater that was happening around that time where it was like super elaborate, you know, like mm-hmm. the water moving with like right. cardboard cutouts. I, I think say it was there's... called Wagnerian opera was like the style. A lot of moving parts, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Very The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. <laughs> <laughs> the, the little like uh, flying fairy, I guess I was at the very end, reminded me of that one Lynch short that we did of that woman with the cheeks. <laughs> I was like, oh, that looks like her a little bit. <laughs> oh, wasn't that from Eraserhead? Oh, was it Eraserhead? It was well, Eraserhead. It's just like one scene from Eraserhead. Yes, yes, yes. You're right. You're right. It's very yeah, funny. it was very much like a dream too. The pr- the filming yes. of the production felt very David Lynch dream like. Yeah, well, it's like that's like in this movie especially that's like where he shines is like the nightmare and the dream parts yeah. of John's life, I mean, and this definitely that's felt where he like, always shines right. <laughs> <laughs> but the dream is it's like John's dream come true. It's perfect. Yeah, Ugh. and at the end, the curtain falls and. Mrs. Kendall comes out and says that she and the company would like to dedicate tonight's performance to John, that he's a theater lover and that, but it's his first time. And the audience starts clapping and John's a little hesitant at first, but Frederick encourages him to stand up so they can see. And (laughs) as he stands up, everyone in the theater stands up clapping for him. You gotta love peer, peer pressure, peer, peer pressuring (laughs) a bunch of rich people into being nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You wanted to visit him? You will be nice to him now. (laughs) Clap Uh, for this man. He deserves it. Uh, We're back in John's room and Frederick and John talk about the show. John loved it. And Frederick says that they should go again sometime. Frederick tells John goodnight and leaves. And John turns to his sculpture of the cathedral. It's a lot more detailed now and a lot larger. And it's sort of so sad saying goodnight to John. I know. It's like he knows. Yeah. He's like, it's probably time. Um, But we can see that the sculpture is like a lot larger. It's a little more detailed. And to me, it's hinting that maybe he's, been able to go see the cathedral finally oh yeah maybe he stares at his model and kind of slowly circles the room and he removes a few pillows from his bed leaving only one where the head goes <laughs> i'm weeping again no. <laughs> <laughs> oh and the music in the scene is adagio for strings which david lynch had to like fight to get them to use this piece of music because it had a composer it. and yeah they were like it was in another movie Oh, it's, I'm sure it's been a It's very popular. Very popular. Yeah. But, but yeah, they, had like, to, oh. they, they screened it with both and everyone was like, yeah, the Adagio is pretty good. <laughs> you kind of have to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. But he stares at the sleeping child portraits and then climbs into bed. And before he lays down, he looks at the picture of Mrs. Kendall and his mother and he lays his head down and then he stops breathing. It's very sad. The camera. Don't cry, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> It's sad. The camera pans around his room, from the bedside pictures to his model, and then to the window where it fades to just stars. And then we end on a quote from John's mother about how nothing really dies, and her face starts to appear very angelically in the stars. It's very and Lynch ending. Very Lynch ending. And that's I wrote, it. I love you, John Merrick. Seriously, I'm a mess. I may never recover. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, such a, a bittersweet ending. It's just like, uh, it seems like he got everything he really wanted at the end. And he was like, that... let's just go now. <laughs> <Before> go <laughs> anything on the good else note. bad can happen. <laughs> uh, so sad. But yeah, a great I did notice end. that in the credits, there was a note about what it was based on. And it was like, a slap in the face to whatever horrible elephant man play was out there because they're like, it is not based on that play. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice that. <laughs> I don't even want to read it then. It's probably very awful and ableist and terrible. <laughs> I know. Well, it was based on like two different books. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I guess there were several other ones and there was a play that was not great. <laughs> <laughs> probably very exploitative. I seriously started crying at the end of that recap, so <laughs> I, I'm very <laughs> glad I watched this the, the day before we recorded the first episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I've had, you know, two days to, to come back down <laughs> to regulate my emotions. <laughs> uh, it's just one of those. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you have a favorite part? Yeah. Uh, there's like three specific ones that stuck out in my head i think my favorite part is seeing him at the, sh- the theater it was like yeah nice to kind of have him in a very like safe space i knew it was going to be a safe space and he was enjoying himself and the show was really beautiful it's very david lynch yeah 
Um, but my honorable mentions are when Miss Kendall visits and then when he meets Anne. Yeah, yeah, those are great. I also, I feel like the scene between Anthony Hop or Dr. Treves and mm-hmm. uh, Nurse Mothersbaugh, or not, Mother's <laughs> Head. <laughs> God, uh-huh. I can't keep the names. Uh, yeah. When, uh, after, you know, the rich people start visiting mm-hmm. and she puts him in his place, I feel like that was a great scene That's because a really it was like a very great conversation to have at that point in the mm-hmm. movie. And I really love that. Yeah. She just said what we're all thinking. <laughs> Well, we're running out of time, but I would like to both do final thoughts and sort John. Yeah. So what do you want to do first? Let's sort sort John. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure I could actually look up his actual date of birth. I did have it pulled up. Mm -hmm. Interesting. What? He was born August 5th, so he's a Leo. Oh, well, I mean, in a way, he was okay with putting himself on display. I mean, even if it was, you know, maybe probably not his preferred way, and he loved the mm-hmm. theater, I feel like... Yeah. Yeah, he, for I'm, for being so... Having such a difficult, mm-hmm. you know, life, he still was very... Right. Outward, you know? Yeah. And I feel like he has, based on the movie at least, he has this, like, almost magnetic way of, like, bringing people in and kind of leading a little yeah. bit. He just has that Leo quality of doing yeah. that. You can definitely and tell. he's got a very big heart, which is always yes. a Leo characteristic. Definitely a big heart. Ugh. I like it. Oh. I know. He's a Leo. Definitely. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, D&D, he's definitely lawful good. Yeah. Yeah. Come Probably on. to his own detriment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Jane Austen. I feel like he would love Jane Austen. Totally. He'd get lost in all of the stories and just yes. I mean he might love Northanger Abbey the most just because Catherine Morland's innocence, you know. Yes. She's like pure innocence and like the he would love the like gothic fantasy of like Definitely. all the architecture and everything. It would remind him of home. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. And Tarot. Okay, I feel like he needs to be like a major arcana. Like mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Maybe the hermit, not because he's a hermit per se, but the hermit is about going on like an inward journey and, mm. you know, learning about yourself through kind of isolation in a way. But because uh-huh. like he was, I mean, he did, I feel like more when he was with other people, he was more teaching them mm-hmm. than like he had already done a really good job of still being such a great person even through all the the tragedies so i feel right. like he's done you know a lot of internal work himself so yeah he's helped look it up and give us keywords or you think that's good no i think that's good <laughs> i i had looked it up and it was like yeah about a lot of inward reflection and i think yeah he did a lot of it himself and i think he was also given the opportunity to actually do some real introspection when he wasn't living in this chaotic life every single day yeah. And then he also provided the opportunity to other people to have introspection and question their own selves. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. <sighs> King. Or the star. Yes. He's <laughs> <laughs> a love him. Okay, final thoughts. I I love this movie. I love John Merrick and I love David Lynch. And I yeah. like that we kind of got it almost felt like a softer side of David Lynch, even though like yeah. there was a lot of like it was very was, harsh. <laughs> yeah, it was very harsh a lot of it, but like just the stuff about John and the way he portrayed John as this kind of like very valiant, sweet man. It's just yeah. like uh, I like this side of David Lynch. It's very um oh gosh, what was that movie? The Disney movie that he did? Um, straight story. Yes. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> was like, oh, okay. Those are like the softer side of David Lynch where he's like yeah. A lot of good stuff, and I just like it. I loved it a lot, and Anthony Hopkins was great. I mean, yeah. isn't he always? Yeah. <laughs> of course, I really fell in love with the character of John Me Joseph too. Merrick, and I think David Lynch did it, and John Hurt did an amazing job, and Anthony Hopkins, mm-hmm. of just, like, really giving the humanity and 
the path the pathos of him and Mm -hmm. the one thing that i keep thinking about in terms of david lynch is that it's just i I don't even know why it's shocking but it feels so shocking (laughs) that it is so such a david lynch movie like I feel like if this was set in modern times and in color, it would be blue velvet, you know, like yeah, <laughs> the, the cruelty, the random cruelty, but like the, the moments of amazing, like connection mm. and happiness. It's just, and like the, it was like so exactly a cross between a razor head and blue velvet to me. And I was just like, <laughs> yes, this is blowing my mind. I don't know yes. why, why should it surprise me? We've done three years of, Right. Studying, quote unquote, David Lynch. (laughs) We've done both those movies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it was just, it was, it's a great movie. Unfortunately, it is too sad for me and I will (laughs) not be watching it again, but it will live in my heart forever. (laughs) Of course. Well, technically, at this point, you've watched it twice, so. Well, that's true. But once when I was like 15, so. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's definitely worth a watch if you have not watched it oh 100 percent, 100 percent. i mean i think it's a great movie for thanksgiving i mean mm-hmm. maybe not to watch on thanksgiving but you know <laughs> in the are. season where we're all you know counting our blessings mm-hmm. it's and full of gratitude know, yeah and god john merrick was just such a great person <laughs> i know <laughs> yeah despite all of the hardship that everybody inflicted on him not the you know disfigurements or whatever more just the cruelty of other right. human beings the cruelty just... of society <laughs> yeah oh the cruelty that's what really got me in this movie was just how and cruel people can be for no reason just for no reason assholes <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and his refusal to let his sort of health issues define him he was like yeah. i'm a person it's a very powerful yeah. scene I mean, if that was me, I don't know. I'd probably become the monster that people saw me as. And just <laughs> no, be, I'd a be complete like, all right. <laughs> horrible asshole. All this the is time. what you get. <laughs> this is what you asked for. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's so good. I love it. Yeah, but it was it was great. Definitely recommend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plus, it's got an amazing cast. <laughs> I know. I was like, whoa, a list cast, heavy yeah. hitters. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> well, we're at the end. We're at the end. Until next week, where we will start our true gratitude for you, our listeners. Yes. (laughs) Bye. Bye. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us at mannersandmadness at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter at mannersmadness or on Instagram at mannersandmadnesspod. Or you can leave a one-minute voicemail on our website at mannersandmadness.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you prefer. We also have a donate button on our website, mannersandmadness.com. Yes. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Good night. Bye. Bye.